Fresh and Fourier on WEEI. Twelve o'clock. Let's talk to our friend Tom Curran from NBC Sports Boston here at Gresham Fourier. Tom E. Brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lopresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. By Awaken 180 Weight Loss, become your own success story by dropping the weight holding you back. Starts with just one call to Awaken 180. And by Unified Office, where they help businesses maximize every incoming call at unifiedoffice.com. Tommy Curran with us on the Harbor One Hotline. Good afternoon, Tommy. Hello, fellas. How's everything? Uh, we're we're great. I don't know if we're as good as Bill Belichick. Uh, what do you make, Tommy? Is some of the video of hands-on Bill? He's a, <laughs> it's a he. I, I think he's taking supervisory coaching role to another level. I, yeah, I, I think he's always like that. Gresh, Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, but he loves to teach. This is the best time of year for him. I mean, he's away a little bit from. He gets to evaluate. He gets to teach, which is something that he always loved at, at the rookie mini camps, especially. So, yeah, I think it's kind of standard fare for him to be a hands-on supervisory guy. What I'm interested in is is how the division of power and division of labor is going with that coaching staff, and how well, and what the general, I guess, vibe around the coaching staff is. Their level of uh, enthusiasm and optimism right now. So, Tommy, has there um, has there been any, um, I guess, any updates on the O line search with uh, Adrian Clem? That's the last I heard of it, and I haven't heard any other names. Are they still looking for that position? Old boy Ryan Wendell was brought in, um, I believe, for a meeting. So he's a former Patriots center, and he was brought in to have the tires kick. But I think what'll be interesting to watch is, despite that flurry of transparency we saw a couple of weeks ago i don't know if there'll be a whole mess of announcements as to staff changes and promotions like even with gerard mayo i've been trying to say hey could we get had a lot of floor play a couple weeks ago do we get any closure on this and i'm hearing a whole lot of nothing back uh, so you know i could see we're not going to find out until they put out the media guides exactly what different coaches are doing but we'll, we'll get to that maybe next month when we see bill um, at the owners' meetings at the end of March. Yeah, Tom, it was interesting that on that uh, flight out, it was Bill, the two co-defensive coordinators, let's call them, Bill O'Brien, and then Joe Judge was in that mix as well. Is the assumption that Joe Judge goes back to special teams coordinator, or is that putting the cart before the horse, in your opinion? I would guess that that, that would be where he's trending towards, see if he embraces it or not. Um, but that is just, that's me spitballing. Honestly, I don't have a solid answer for that. Like I said, they've, they've kind of gone a little bit quiet and they're out of town right now. So I I don't have a lot on which way different guys are going. I think Bill's probably letting things declare. Yeah. And don't you think like to your, 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 uh, your earlier comment, it's like, I feel like the hard part's done. The, The hard part's done. We got the coordinator and that was the biggest issue. Now, I guess it's just all about, I guess, adding pieces or removing pieces, right? Yeah, and seeing how guys fit together in any job, whether it's radio, writing, TV, coaching, playing. How do we fit together? We need a week or two to figure it out. We need to see where we need to add things. There's no massive rush. You don't want to drag your feet, as they did last year a little bit or in past years. Um, 
But let guys kind of declare, what does Bill O'Brien think of the players on hand? What does he think once he gets, you know, eyeballs deep on Cole Strange and David Andrews and Ramondre Stevenson and the need to add more players around, you know, Stevenson? Do you bring back Harris? I think there's so much on their plates right now that I don't blame them for taking it slow because I really think that O'Brien's addition can have a two- or three-win impact on this team. And not only that, it can have an impact that is felt because of what they went through last year. They were in the desert, and now they're being handed a glass of water with some optimism. glass of water after you're in the desert always tastes a lot better, mm. not that it's in the desert, than if you were just out there on a hot day. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston Aggression Fourier. Where do you come down on putting the valuation on Jacoby Myers in free agency? The Patriots will likely roll the dice and allow him to hit free agency so that he gets probably confirmation that nobody else sees him as a fourteen or fifteen million dollar player. Remember the franchise tag were projected yesterday. Wide receiver franchise tag is $19 million. So that is often a place keeper for players that a team wants to retain. And after you use that, you know, placeholder on them, when that player renegotiates, he's looking for that amount per year going forward. Jacoby Myers is not a $100 million five-year player. To me, he's about a four-year, $44 million player. And part of that is based on the fact that they've gotten four years of production out of him for $6 million. I know you're not supposed to do that, but he's been their best receiver for three years. If you get eight years for $50 million out of Jacoby Myers and he averages 70 catches and 750 yards and two touchdowns, that's fine with me. Eight into 50 goes what? Six. Yep. You're fine. Big deal. Yeah, so when when you look at that, so as far as the guys that are left on the on the roster now offensively, and I love how we all we do is think about the offensive side. When you look at the defensive side, all I'm doing during this, you know, postseason Super Bowl run is trying to figure out if Matthew hearing that Matthew Slater is still in the weight room, like he's still showing up, and then Devin McCourty is like doing every show imaginable. Like where do you where do you stand with those two guys? Um you haven't spoken to Devin last week on the podcast. He didn't really indicate anything. So I'm going on the things I saw. I mean, I'm going to the weight room probably at some point this week, and I'm definitely not playing in the league next year. I think that Slater did everything possible to indicate that I'm, I'm all set. I'm moving on. So even if he's staying in shape and using the facility, I don't know. I, until Until he gives some kind of an indication that, from a podium that undoes what he, you know, kind of showed at the end of the year, then I'm presuming that he's done. And same thing with Devin. So I wouldn't think that either one of those guys will be back, but it does speak to the leadership need and goes back to Jacoby Myers too. He's a good leader. He's one of your better leaders. He's one of your younger leaders. He's done a lot. Do you want to lose a guy like that? Tommy, I know that the Patriots are going through the beginning of the evaluation process of the guys coming into the league from college football. Do you think this draft will be a we need to match need with our picks? Or will Bill Belichick look at it like he always does, that if there's a great corner at 14, the rate's higher than maybe a guy who could come in and play tackle, 
that he kind of goes that way. I'm curious where you land on how Bill and Bill O'Brien and his staff of people who are now, they're all in the family. They're all trustworthy now. How do you think they go about building this football team and in particular the use of the draft? You cannot have a football team that can't protect its quarterback when it's a quarterback who needs protection. Well, he's not a restart the play by a massive amount of time quarterback. And as such, if you don't have receivers who uncover quickly, you have double jeopardy. So what can you do to fix your offense? You can give them more protection by bringing in better players, coaching them up better, and, and making sure that Mac Jones has 2.8 seconds to survey, which he didn't have too frequently this past year. So I don't care how much you like the corner. I don't care. You know, you have to go back to the offensive line or you have to find one of those guys who uncovers quickly. They, that has to be priority one because it held the team completely hostage. So, Tommy, so when you look at uh, last week's games, the AFC Championship game in particular, um, does that make – and you watch Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes uh, playing an AFC Championship game again. Does it make you feel better or worse about the Patriots' chances moving forward? I look at both of those teams, Christian, and we talked about this a little bit last night on early edition, and say, that's nice. I'm still down here at base camp if I'm a Patriots fan, though, and those guys are near the summit. We can't even worry about what's going on up in the clouds where those teams are. The Patriots are among the least disciplined teams in the league in 2022. Um, They were penalty plagued, situationally stupid, and they could not score touchdowns. So before I'm worrying about, gee, can we keep up with Jamar Chase? Just get on their level or approach their level. Can that happen quickly? I think it can because of O'Brien, because I think Mac Jones is okay to good. But I feel – I feel like there's so many things that those teams have that are discouraging for the Patriots. <laughs> you know, they have fast guys. Oh, like, man. Isn't speed an issue? <laughs> speed speed, and protection are the biggest issues for me. And I talked about speed back um, and the need for it for the Patriots, whether it's been James White or Kevin Falk or Shane Vereen or Danny Woodhead or any – assortment of players who've been able to uncover quickly and, and make yards after the catch because they're elusive and fast. The Patriots have one guy who I can say is really able to do that. And he plays friggin' defense. Marcus Jones. So why they didn't take a guy like Isaiah Pacheco taken in the seventh round out of Rutgers, who Greg Schiano said was one of the toughest players he's ever seen. I don't know, but the Patriots need a Pacheco, a Gainwell, um, a Debo to high, higher price it. Somebody like that who they can have is one of those quick uncovering guys. Tom Curran, you look down on your phone and you see there's a 212 area code. It comes up R. Goodell. You answer the phone and he says, Tommy, how do I fix my officiating problem in the league? What do you tell him? (sighs) No more all-star crews. No more hand-wringing over the Pruder film replay. Have a, have a clear and definite, if I don't see it on the first two shots with my expedited replay, sorry. I don't care if something shows up later. That Devontae Smith thing was a perfect example. That expedited replay stuff, 
is supposed to be for clear and obvious mistakes made. You and I can certainly differ on clear and obvious, but if they had to go to commercial break after seeing three different replays and his back was shielding it, and you eventually, because there's a Pruder film frame-by-frame breakdowns, found that, oh, yeah, the ball actually did kind of squirt out and, and the ground was involved there. Sorry, that wasn't clear and obvious. You can't do it on every play. You just have to acknowledge there's going to be times where we cannot fix what's broken. You guys might find this interesting, too. If these officials are going to be so scared in high-impact games by the home crowd as to see what we saw with Kansas City the other day, then go ahead. Put this, put it in a neutral site. Well, I mean, listen, uh, part of me likes the fact that uh, it, during these high-impact games, they they don't mind taking a little bit longer time. I don't think anyone watching that game was going to be upset if uh, if they just got it right and it cost them an extra five minutes. I would, because you're you're. We could do that over and over and over again with so many different plays, Christian. Mm-hmm. And then it just opens the Pandora's box of well, if they can replay that, why can't they replay this? Yeah, and but it's a championship it game, so that that is my point. What you, you, like getting it wrong in week three is a little bit different to me than getting it wrong and. In the middle of January. But don't you have to have yeah, a system the, that gets it right as or as close to right as much of the time, all the time, as quickly as possible? Well, yes, but if that was if that was the case, they would there would be more personal like, you know, pass interference plays, you know, with ten seconds left. And there usually is never a pass interference called when two guys are going up for the ball on some sort of fade route. They'll never call unless the guy pulls him down by his shoulder pads. I mean, that's me, but what do I know? Right. I don't know as much. You know what? You, you know a lot, but I, I don't know. I don't know as like, much as Tom. Would we add more? We look at it as this: it's going to fix everything. It's a panacea. All, all will be well, and then people are, well, how come that hold wasn't called? That's right. going to be in yeah. replay too. Well, you, no, I, it's funny. And, I saw a lot of that online. Like everybody oh, calling no. out every little ticky tack little penalty yeah. that wasn't called. And you know the other thing too that the NFL Tommy I think needs to do is turn their ears off. Yep. Like, don't don't look at Twitter on days like, don't look at social media. Don't be overreactionary to the, the stupid hashtag NFL is rigged and all that kind of stuff. Yet, I don't know if they're capable of doing that. That might be the one thing in this whole sort of refing discussion we've had the last five minutes that the NFL might not be able to do is turn their ears no. off. I guess the first answer I should have given is who is the director of operations for the NFL and who has been in that position for nearly a decade now? Who presided over the idiocy of Deflategate? Who was in charge of the officials from an operational level? Troy Vincent. It's Troy Vincent, and he's been a disaster for a decade. Oh, that guy. You know what? Uh, we're, we're, cause he's I, never going anywhere. He is locked uh, in. He has. There's something about... Troy Vincent, yeah, he that tried just to, scares me. Yeah, he tried to work he, with the league to. No, I know uh, exactly what he did. Union, like, I know exactly. No, what you're he right. Did. They're never. Sadly, they're never going to get rid of that guy. Just like we are never going to get rid of our friend Tommy Curran, <laughs> who you will be able to hear with Jones and Mego on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Tommy, thanks for the time, friend. We appreciate it. We'll catch you soon. All right, good stuff. Thanks, right, guys. See yep, there you go. Oh, Troy Vincent, just, just the worst. This is so many. You're right, though. There's. He's handpicked. Oh, yeah. He was one of those guys that was a, basically a turncoat, uh, gave away trade secrets because he was trying to play both sides. One side found out about it, said beat it, and the other side embraced him. I mean, long story short, but whatever. Nope, it is true, and short. it's out there. Yeah, that guy's got a uh, hell of a history. Boy, I tell you um, 
Like a golden parachute, too. Something interesting from Wick Grossbeck on NBC Sports Boston about the future of the Celtics. We'll get to that next. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. Celtics are in action tomorrow night against the Brooklyn Nets. Nets dealt with the Lakers last night, and uh, LeBron didn't play, so no Kyrie, LeBron bickering or love or anything like that. 1225 Gresham Fourier here with you. Uh, Coming up in uh, 20 minutes, the lighter side of sports with a very interesting tale from Wick Grosbeck that we're going to be able to uh, unpack and maybe offer the Marcus Smart deal if we have some time. Uh, what would be the serial names or the serials that would be named after some of the great folks here at WEI? Ooh. But I digress on that because Wick Grosbeck had a quote. Uh, he was on NBC Sports Boston, okay? Mm-hmm. And there is the talk of. All right, the trade deadline is coming up. We brought up yesterday, Foyer, and I know you weren't here, Mason Plumley from Charlotte, who's having a great year. He's a big. Apparently, they want a first-round pick for the guy. The Celtics have a $5.8 million trade exception laying around. You throw in Luke Cornett in a first-round pick, bingo, bango, you match the money. Okay, you can maybe make it work to bring in someone like Plumley if you're so motivated. But here's a quote from Wick Grosbeck. <clears throat> quote, The conversation that I had with Brad is, it's about this year. It's not about this will pay dividends in three years or this will do this next year. Grossbeck said, it is this year. Muscle up and let's go get the job done. That's the instructions. That's what we're going to try to do. If there's anything to do, we'll do it. If not, we love this team. We're top of the league right wow, now. Wow, that's unbelievable. If you're a fan, you're loving this. I mean, that you're is like, what's our, I mean, you don't need you don't need a blue pill. You just need to nope. listen to that and to hear the owner whereas one owner can't speak in front of friendly fans even no. though he's catching unfriendly no. fire. Meanwhile, what Grossbeck is like, go for it. That's really well, all he needed to say. I told Brad to go for it. Period. End of story. Yeah, and I, this is this to me is just the difference between the two franchises. You're talking about the Red Sox and John Henry, and then the ownership group that is the Boston Celtics with Wick and Pagliuca. So you look at those two guys, and you sit there and go, okay, there have been years that they said it's not time, it's not, we're not ready. Like you know, we're not we're not going to sit here and mortgage the future. Like trade deadline would come around, and everyone would say, get this guy, get that guy. Well, I don't care how much it costs, just get him. Like, no, he's right. Then we got Kyrie, and look at what happened. Yes. So, to me, like, you're right. So, I love the whole, I don't want to hear any, like, oh, but they're going to mortgage the future. They're not going to have any draft. No. The time is now. You drafted these guys. You hit. Danny Ainge set you up pretty nicely. All these guys are great players. You got a nice little nucleus. Uh, so, yeah, why not add to it? Add to it while they're young, while they have the opportunity, and then go ahead and take advantage of the timing because that's it. Like, I can easily see them going, wow, the timing is now. Let's not worry about how this is going to affect us in four years. We'll worry about four years, four years from now. Let's go get a title now. And I think that if you're Brad Stevens, though, I don't know if he will 100% listen to Wick Grossbeck. Why? Well, because... He just gave you a get-out-of-jail-free card. In a way, yes. However, 
you can't make an impetuous move just to make one. If there's one thing about Brad Stevens that I appreciate that he has done since taking over is he's been calculated. And it's not that he's out there looking for the greatest bargains because some people would say what you traded for Brogdon was an unbelievable bargain. And it is a great job by Brad Stevens, but he realized that he could be a part of the now and a part of the immediate future. You're not making moves for five years down the road, but like, for example, there may be a few Celtic fans who might not want the C's to go get a guy like Plumlee because he is an unrestricted free agent next year. I can kind of understand that, but I would also understand if it's, hey, this guy's a can't miss. He really completes our roster. Go get the guy. Try to win it this year. Worried about it next year. I do wonder if Brad Stevens would be able to sort of fight himself in that if it's the perfect move, then you do it short term and you don't worry about it. But boy, you'd love to get a guy for this year and next year in terms of team building to be able to try to keep this thing going. That's going to be the hard part. We look at Tatum and Brown and say, oh, everything's going to be great for the next five years. It's not the case anymore. Look at the way Golden State's built. Look at the way other teams are building. It's no longer get a big three and no one else matters. Well, well you got to have a better, you got to have a much more diverse and deep roster now to be able to win the whole thing with a superstar rising up and playing yes, great. Yes, well, I would say the, the template uh, that was used for the Golden State Warriors is, to me, feels awfully similar to what the Celtics have built. Their three main players for the Warriors were all drafted and developed by the Warriors. Uh-huh. Okay, and then they added a guy here. Here's a veteran there. Okay, I don't have enough depth. Let me make sure that's that's kind of situated. And then you you keep and you retain and you pay for the talent that got you there. So they've kept their main guys, their yep. three main guys. The, the the Celtics will probably, at least they are in a position to do the same for the, at least the next two to three years. We'll see what happens. Um, but the only real thing I would be thinking about is just how do I add to my depth? You think about a long playoff run. Maybe you hit a couple stretches where you have to go to game seven or something like that. Who knows? Rob William gets hurt. Al is old. Like nightmare scenario. Mm-hmm. You got everything you want. Your position perfectly. You had a great regular season. Then Al becomes the old guy. Like, and he just, he just, he gets hurt. Or, or Rob Williams decides that you know what? Like, I need an extra day. If you want me to play Game Seven, I need Game Six off. And it's and Game Seven is at home. So I think that ultimately is like the main priority. That is the number one priority as far as what they would need to make sure they protect themselves against some sort of catastrophe. I know, and then and, I think they're willing to. And and hearing him say that is like, oh, well, great. We're everybody's because you're going to hear so many names attached to the Celtics. Oh yeah, basically gonna, just because of that. No, it's going to heat up. I, I and and we know that the trade market's going to heat up in the NBA as teams try to find the right pieces. And really, in the Eastern Conference, I think it's Philadelphia, Boston, um, Milwaukee will be willing to go all in. I wonder where Cleveland's at. They've had a really nice run so far. They went and got Donovan Mitchell. Are they going to look to make another splash, or do they look at it and do the, eh, we're a year away, right? Like, let's have a good year, 
get the base established, get to the offseason, then sort of attack from there. So I wonder how aggressive Cleveland would be. I don't think Brooklyn's got much left to be able to That's do. That's the problem. They're, they're pretty much they're they're pretty locked. anchored to what their their cap, uh, their money, and then their draft picks, and then like the guys they already have on the roster. So uh, to me, I'm with you. I, I look at Philly, who is like the whole trust the system, believe in the system, like trust the process, sorry, like that whole thing. With Doc Rivers as their coach, with Simmons being gone, with uh, you know Daryl Morey is the GM. Yeah, he's so very aggressive. It's it's like you know we talked about Joel Embiid, how good he's playing. He's in the he's in the MVP ladder pool, the top three. They've been playing great as of late, but you know, and they're close. They're close. So they they if they don't add, they're almost like conceding in a way, right? Are you serious? Do you really want it? Well, it's going to cost you. Well, one of the guys I would like to see them not give up would be Peyton Pritchard, who over the past month has proved his usefulness. Uh, Peyton Pritchard went on a, uh, let me see here. It is the The Point Point, Point Forward podcast with Andre Iguodala and former Celtic and guy who got rich by being here, Evan Turner. Here is Peyton Pritchard talking about his future. Walk me through uh, the next five to ten years for yourself. Yeah, obviously, after I'm done here, like after this year, I like to, you know, look, be part of a bigger role a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you should want that. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, so obviously what I work for, and um, I think that's what Brad and them know too. We've had that discussion. But, um, you know, bigger role. Some I want to be part of a winning culture, but I want to also really – Help that, yes, sir. Yeah. Be a, you know, really, uh, I'm trying to think like big piece of that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's the best player on the team or anything, but I want, I don't know what my future can hold unless I can take that next step. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what, what it is in five to 10 years, but I just want to look back and know that like I put my best foot forward and put all the work in. So whatever happens, I can live with yep. as long as I, I did it my way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the most important thing to me. All right. Well, I mean, that to me is like, good, good for you. Like you, yes, there's no way he's going to be an impact player on this team with the amount of guys that are in front of him. Yeah, I don't think it's not going to happen unless there's like massive Mm. injuries like there were a couple weeks ago when none of those guys played. And then he got exposed, massively exposed in my book. He's a heat guy. He's like a heat check guy. They put him into the lineup. He makes his first shot. They leave him in there. He makes his next shot. Like they, they just let it ride. But if he misses his first and second shot, they just have to take him out. He's too much of a liability. But I mean, do would you? Uh, I mean, are you surprised that he like he wants more? No, I'm not. But I do wonder, sort of like that got me thinking. What is the best role that guy would be able to get? I don't know. Back if, up point guard. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if anybody is going to look at him and say, "You can be my starting point guard for thirty some odd minutes a night." It's just not who he is. It feels like he wants to go find that. And again, I don't blame him, but it's it's everybody is going to think I'm making a short analogy, but I'm really not. When you think of Isaiah Thomas relative to him thinking he was a superstar and found out very quickly no one else in the league viewed him that way, I think Peyton Pritchard is going to find the same thing. Wants to be a starter wants to go get big dollars, no one's going to look at him as anything more than a backup. Yeah, I would even look at, if I go way back to when Terry Rozier was drafted and 
You know, he was drafted early, and then, you know, then the Jays show up, and then other guy, and then Isaiah sh- Thomas shows up. And, you know, you could tell, like, if that guy had his own team, like, he would flourish. Like, he he could be a starter, and he doesn't need to come off the bench. He doesn't need right. to, they you know, concede that. to anybody. <laughs> well, the point is that he got paid like a starter. Charlotte thought okay, that. Okay, and... but he got paid like a starter, and I don't think that's Peyton Pritchard, though. I feel like Pritchard is a sixth or a seventh guy. Like, uh, you would th- hope that he would be a solid role player. Mm-hmm. But he's so far down the bench right now. I'm even amazed when he comes on, like, he even has, like, the attitude to, like, you know, you know, contribute because well, he's that's just where sitting I think, on the bench. But Joe Mazzulla's got to get some credit for keeping that guy engaged because, to your point, it's smart, Brogdon, and D. White that are all in front of him. And whenever they had to, whether it was rest, whether it was injury, whatever, you, you break the glass and say, Peyton, come on, brother, here you go, you're in. And the guy goes in and plays his ass off. Keeping those guys engaged to me is what they what in part what you pay the head coach for as well. So I give Missoula a little bit of credit for being able to kind of manage that relationship to where this guy hasn't gone into just pouting on the bench and thinking, Oh, I'm never gonna get any minutes. Instead it's the other way around. Well, how find do a way you... to find a way to keep him ready so he can maximize his minutes. Okay, but if you're him, how do you really make your case for more playing time? Like, what do you? Hey, how do you convince the coach that I'm a of a better option than 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 you believe I am? Um. Well, Sam Hauser is shooting his way out of his role. Okay. And is that one where Peyton Pritchard goes? But he's not a shooter either. Well, Peyton Pritchard's a shooter. He can. No, but he's not like. I mean, Hauser is. No, hey, but, run around JJ Redick and like get threes really quick. Yeah, and he stinks at it, and that's part of the reason why they're going to try to find and I think an upgrade in that role. Like Hauser's a great try hard story. But to me, that's not a guy that you are really, truly going to count on. Whereas, can you reconfigure the role a little bit to where maybe Peyton Pritchard? Now, again, I know it's different. There's a lot of differences there. I understand it. But is there a way that you can sort of coach around that a little bit to maybe use Peyton Pritchard's shooting ability? It will be interesting. And honestly, the best thing for that guy, get in the playoffs somehow Every minute you're in the postseason, make sure you're guarding somebody and knocking down shots. If you at least do that and have a good attitude, that's going to go a long way in the NBA because there are plenty more guys with crappy attitudes that are in the Peyton Pritchard role well, than there the, are with the way that this guy's handled The it. other thing that he has you know, in his favor is if you are on a championship team and you are the beneficiary of that experience and that ring, you are looked at differently. I don't care what you're doing. Hey, I'll, the only reason why I didn't play because Jason Tatum was in front of me. I mean, well, he's the best player, one of the best players in the world, right? So work for Scal. He said Paul Pierce is in front of him, and look what exactly. Happened. I mean, I, I mean, maybe you maybe you're not an all star, but you have an unbelievable. You have a long career, right? You know, and then if somebody gets hurt, you find the right coach and the right situation. A lot of it for him is going to be timing and luck. Just going to be because he's not dominant enough to force his way into the lineup. That's just, I mean, and I no, think he's true. probably sitting there. And they, I, like he said, I had this talk with him. And what do you think Brad Stevens is saying? Joe Mazzula is saying, like, well, you know, I mean, you want me to give you, you know, Jalen Brown's minutes? With the right attitude, Pritchard can have a long career. I don't know if he's going to get filthy rich. He'll be okay. 
They ain't gonna be hurting. Don't he'll get me wrong. He'll be NBA poor, but like yeah, normal people he'll rich. Be, <laughs> I mean, he'll be NBA poor, but yes. normal people like right. Go, what a great dude, way to oh put my it. God, Look at the guy's house. Yeah, what's he made? Oh, fifty million. How many years did he play? Thirteen. Oh wow, for the NBA, that's low. For life, that's unbelievable. It's like winning the lottery. There is a role for that guy. I it'll you know, but that's gonna be one of those hard decisions for Brad Stevens to make because I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of intangibles that he's really going to like about the player and you know Brogdon I think is what 29 so how many years does he have left just in terms of being able to be that guy who can be the be the dude to come off the bench and sort of light the fuse it's a couple years don't get me wrong but you know it's the whole all right well if Brogdon might age out or we might not be able to pay him da 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 can somebody else sort of fill in that role because they are giving away first round picks so you're going to have to make tough evaluations on your existing free agents kind of as this uh, as this goes on. By the way, Bruins have lost three in a row. They're in Toronto tomorrow night. Then it's into the All-Star break. Our friend Andrew Raycroft will join us at 11 o'clock on Thursday, where I am sure calm he everybody will. down. Oh, well, it's no, it's not the calm everybody. Well, there might be a little bit of that. You get a win over Toronto and everything will be okay. But uh, it'll be him telling us how terrible the All-Star game is going to be oh, this weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's, uh, he's been waiting to spit some hot fire on that. Uh, it's time for the lighter side of sports, and we have a story from Wick Grosbeck about Bill Belichick, and the lead is buried. We'll explain it all when we go to the lighter side next. WEEI, WEEI, New England Sports Original. Time now for the lighter side of sports, brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss on Gresh and Fourier. If you're ready to make a 180 with your weight, book your appointment now at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Do what I and, well, thousands have done in losing weight. Awaken180WeightLoss.com. So a little bit of the lighter side of sports. Let's have some fun here. Um, you remember the uh, 08 or 0708 championship run of the Boston Celtics? Yes, I do. And, uh, well, remember, we would start to see... Bill B. Hoodsworth at some of those games, right? You know, ABC, they're always scouring the crowd. Ooh, is there a Kardashian or a Jenner here? Yeah, that's is there, right. Are there uh, high-level athletes here? Oh, here's David Ortiz. Here's Julian Edelman sitting beside Gronk to make sure he gets on TV because <laughs> they'll put Gronk on there. Huh. Uh, and, of course, every once in a while, you, you saw Bill Belichick at a Celtics game, right? And of course, he loves championships and... Well, Rick Grosbeck told a story of how Bill Belichick almost jinxed the 08 team. Wick, for you, I imagine that the 2008 championship uh, just never gets old. Uh, no, it's been however many years, and I'll remember it my whole life. And, and I, also the friendships, the bond, you know, we're just all connected, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's an unbelievable feeling. When, when we had that huge lead at halftime, when did you finally think, oh, yeah, we're definitely getting this? I, I went into the club, and Bill Belichick's in there. He uh, was our guest, uh-huh. and he's standing there with Steven Tyler, okay, also my guest, and I'm like, well, okay. I go, coach, tell me to, something to calm me down. We're up 28 points at the half or yeah. something. He goes, you kidding me? You're the bleeping world champions. <laughs> and Belichick, that got you. Belichick yeah. jinxed it at halftime. I'm like, of all the people that's not going to jinx it, it's Belichick. He bought a round for the whole bar, yeah. and then we went out there and killed him. Okay. Ooh, I think you and I. For the whole bar, huh? Thank you. There's the lead right there. <laughs> Could you imagine Bill Belichick? Like, 
What's that commercial with the, uh, I can't remember what liquor brand it is where the guy's like, drinks are on me. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> a ton of them. But can you imagine Bill Belichick being like, uh, like getting on like a little yeah. speaker from yeah. that the, uh, the, like the bartender would have, you know, <laughs> next round on me. Yeah. Everybody goes yeah, crazy. I, I, yeah. My feeling is like he probably didn't benefit from the, from the crowd cheering person. Cause he probably said, listen, <laughs> go to, yeah. <laughs> It's on the microphone. <laughs> oh, man. What did he say? Drinks on us? Yeah! Well, good for him. Listen, so he's down to party. I like I like, I like, like that. That whole... I'm trying to think of, like, I'm sure... I mean, it's probably not his first time doing that. Like, it's a celebration. He right? said it's, it's a celebration, crazy. bitches. Let's go. Let's go. Let's party. Drinks on me. Have a, a white wine spritzer, please. You know, I'll have a. Uh, what are they even serving at that? In that, I thought everything was free, anyways. Isn't it a sweet? Like, what? What do you? What do you mean drinks on Bill? You're the guest of the owner. But How does I, that even work? I I think they have that. Like, I know in the club area they have some of the the bars that like you know halftime or whatever. Some of the folks in the club will like go to those sort of bars that are kind of community. Like, I don't think it's quite. I don't think the club is quite set up like it is at Gillette, where like there's those red seats and then there's the suites and all that kind of stuff. See, I, I, yeah, I could like, be wrong. Like if, if you're, if I don't I'm know, you owner, would know. You get you get invited by owners to things like no, stuff like I that. actually have never actually been invited like uh, by an owner to anything. Quite frankly, what? like never. What do you mean? Crafts you were invited like, to a ring ceremony a couple well, times. I know different. that. That's I know, different. but that was still, at Kraft's backyard, and like, right. you, like, why would I not go to that? You but as sit far there as, like, with Steve Burton doing the breakdown after they won it in like fourteen or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, that's what I do. I don't. I don't get invited. Like other guys are, they kiss a little bit more butt than I do, so they're invited <laughs> to those things. I there's they don't write my checks anymore, so it's a little different, you know, oh. situation now. Now you suck. I'm gonna cut. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about how bad you guys are. No, listen, that's that's uh, it was funny. I was actually this weekend. I was watching a documentary on that team as well, and just you know how the chemistry those guys had, like the like the theme, and the, the and they were telling this crazy story about an. I know you probably heard it before about like uh. Who is it? Uh, Big Baby versus uh, Kevin Garnett arm oh. wrestling. Mm-hmm. The arm wrestling story, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was just the whole like version of that story. And you like the stories on planes. Like they could do a whole movie just on different sports and the, and the gambling and what what players will bet on. That should be the Cedric Maxwell story. Adam <laughs> but- Max tell the stories from the seventies all the way through on gambling on the plane. Well, and, I like, would playing say, cards and I would stuff. say like, yeah, fine. Okay. I'm sure they're great, but it's not like it didn't exist in the nineties and the two thousands. Like the money just came more. I think people, guys became, we once had a, a game, a, a game that was going on that nobody would get off the stupid plane. Like the four guys involved, it was like a West coast, East coast trip. And okay. nobody would get off the stupid plane because everyone was trying to make, get their money back. Right. So like the game was going on and okay. Like if you said, no, I can't have another chance. There would be a fight. So you actually had to give that the guy that was losing his ass, the courtesy of winning it back. So to like everyone would be to, win it to back. try right. to win it back. Right. Got it. Sure as hell. Hey, we're landing. And on, on charter flight, Nobody buckles their seatbelts. Nobody puts their tray table up. Nobody sits their seat upright. You do whatever the hell you want. Nobody walks up and down the aisle telling you what to do. You just you're left to, to just yeah. If you fall, you fall. Right. So the so the the one chair is down. Right. Because that's what they use as a table. Yep. 
We were sitting on the bus what felt like a half an hour, Gresh, and the coach had to get off the bus and walk back onto the plane to tell these guys to stop. And, they, and it was amazing. They all walked off the, off the plane with their shirts off, their pants half down to their ankles. <laughs> it was like, what the hell was going on on that plane? Okay, what is the game of choice as to your own eyes that is played on team charters oh, dominoes. that leads to games? Dominoes. Oh, well, dominoes is the one. Uh, dice, a lot of dice games. Obviously, Hearts was played a lot. Ashy Larry was on yeah, the no, Patriots no, for dice, a while. Dice, uh, Hearts was another yeah, one that a lot hearts. of guys played, which I felt like they played more than Dominoes. Well, Hilo Jack, maybe something like I that. I've never heard of that one before. No. I would more of the right, right, left, center. It's like a game my mom. I play with my mom, or like stupid game that you get it like right, left, center. You never heard of right, left, Why center? do you play cribbage with her? It's like no, and nobody played cribbage. Did you guys used to fill? Did you and your uh, mom used to fill out the daily? No, uh, it was the it daily was, move in the newspaper. Like a, it's, it's, it's a child's game, basically. <laughs> cribbage was only played by the smartest guys on the team. Okay, okay, because nobody wanted to learn how to play it. The stupid little things you put in the little, and it looks like this. And then, what do you mean? What? What? Huh? What am I doing? Like, nobody played cribbage. You saw a guy playing cribbage, they were probably a nerd. The real gambling was done at the back of the plane. It was either dominoes, hearts, or some sort of dice game that I had never heard of. Okay. I know the documents are sealed in terms of the name. However, if you want to tell us, we're more than willing to listen. No, I would no, say no, 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 all no, 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 no names. No, no. What was the most amount of money that you were aware of? That a player lost on a plane. Ride. Okay, the most I'm aware of. Yes, like, like seventy five hundred. Oh wow, that's light. Which, which is which is well, hold on. You said that I'm aware of. That you're aware that of. I'm aware of. Now I, I, know, I would have expected another I zero know for on a that. Fact. Right, Billy? Must have been just from Buffalo back to New England. <laughs> no, no, that was a probably. No, you're right though, Billy. You're right. <laughs> the short trip, the short flights, Baltimore. They would not allow you. Like you didn't have enough time. But you have a West Coast flight. Like when I played in Seattle, this was like every flight we had was you know four hours. Like God forbid we go to like play Washington or Miami or you know the Jets or something like that. Even down the coast to California, I mean, that's still a big still, flight. So those East Coast flights, especially, and the, the the gambling was at its highest when we lost, and we always lost. We were always losing a close game. So in everybody, yeah, in Seattle, we were all. I never did it. I never did it, but uh, I just you know. You know, but did you know. they allow the uh, drink ski on the plane? Oh, listen, we had a standing rule. One, if you played, if we played in a city that you grew up in, not where you played college football, like they always gave me San Diego. Okay. I didn't grow up in San Diego. I grew up in L.A., like three hours away from San Diego. But I was responsible for San Diego. And if you lived in that area or you were from that area, you were, you were responsible for food and drink. That person responsible. And if you had somebody close to that air, they would take on the, that responsibilities for you. But I was responsible for bringing food after the game. Nobody wanted the pizza. So I had to bring, uh, I forget what I brought. Uh, I think it was Popeyes or something like that. Um, Real Because everybody Diego liked right it. There, and everybody you. loved it. And uh, coolers of beer. So my parents and my uncles have to go, had to park their car, feel like five coolers filled with alcohol. What? And then wheel them to like the buses and everyone would come out. Coach. Oh, the coaches. The first thing the coaches would say was, where's the beer? Where's the beer? Well, I was like, did play for and they would say, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But Gresh, but when, when Holmgren came, we showed up at our team meetings on Saturdays and there was beer and wine and all sorts of stuff to drink 
at that, and I remember going, are we allowed to drink this? He's like, no, uh, Mike doesn't care if you have a drink before the game. Biggest shock to my mind ever. Beer, Corona, Bud Lights, Budweiser's. You go grab a beer, you sit down, you watch the game right after team meeting, then you go up to your room, you go to bed. And then there was the, all the other fun stuff right right next to that. Oh, those documents will forever remain oh, yeah. sealed. Yeah. Yeah. Those don't need to get out. Yeah. That's a good breakdown right there. Yeah. Only there seventy five hundred. And you said that I'm aware of. No, I know there's been of, more I because I remember. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm, I'm easily you know close what? to twenty. But I was but, off the plane. I was like, get me out of here. Here's what we have to do. We have to ask Wiggy that question, and then we have to ask Ty Law that question, and see yeah. what numbers they have. I'll go in tomorrow. I'll go and ask Wiggy tomorrow. I'll do the cross tomorrow. All right. Okay. Why you're looking booking yourself on other people's well, shows I mean, now? No, I feel like it's a cross could ask promotion. Him in the hallway, we no. could text him. Oh no, it'll be fun to do I it. I bet we you can text it. him right now and get an answer by one fifteen. You know what? Actually, this is even better. Wiggy, I know you're listening. Call in, okay, uh, and tell us how much you lost or the most money wow. you saw gambled on a plane. I guarantee you, Wiggy will call in because he listens all the time. And we will talk about Patrick Mahomes to start off the final hour aggression for you next.